0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sports Doc Sports. Today, I have a very special guest. This is a buddy of mine. We went to college together. We played baseball in college together. We were co-authors of a satire column in the school newspaper, and we've been friends ever since. And we've done multiple uh, events together, ultra runs, et cetera, to triathlons, Ironmans. But anyway, my special guest today who has actually taken the lead from me and done ultra marathons into another level. And when you say, what's another level? The pinnacle of ultramarathon, the Badwater Ultra 135 that starts in Death Valley. So to new for- no further ado, I have William Chip Corley, which I call Chip, as uh, he's like a brother to me. And uh, Chip, welcome to Sports Talk Sports. ha, <laughs> Steve, I'm so thrilled to be here with you, buddy. So first let's talk about, because I think what people look at in the ultra world, what's the pinnacle race? What's the iconic race of, of all ultra runners? And that is the Badwater 135. So tell me, how did you, uh, you qualify for that?
1: Well, it's interesting because uh, the race director, Chris Kosman, is really a visionary. And I think there are other race directors that portray that, but Chris is a bit of an intellectual and goes to great measure to get it right. And so I think the description is the holy grail of all ultra runs ultra marathons and so the i was mesmerized by what bad water represented as a feat and so as you're asking me how did i get into bad water and what did that process entail it really is a agglomeration of everything we've done to get ourselves into a high level of fitness. And so when you and I earlier, and I think we can talk about this in, in, in future episodes and so forth, but when you and I went to Brazil, okay, with uh, Jody Weiss, who is exceedingly acclaimed and has done uh, near, I don't know,
0: close to 40, 100 milers. And she I want to interject for one second and say Jody Weiss by far is probably the most inspirational ultra marathoner I can think of. I mean, to me, I mean, I've, my, I've run races with her. She's always positive. She's always kind of helping us get through the low points. And she's truly a visionary as well in the female race. Uh, category of ultra-marathoners. So, I mean, I want to give a shout-out to Jody that she truly is just, has led the, the way in, in her numbers alone, plus her, her ability to actually write about them. So she's just a prolific writer, and she can write about these marathons that are, just give you such insight. So I, I just want to interject with that about Jody.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. She's similar to the race director. She's an intellectual and takes what she does very scientifically, but yet understands that there's flow here and there's unknowns and there's the artistic uh, aspects of each of these races, you and I are we the endurance athletes that we are today became from her her vision, and that she is Agreed. able to see that people can do things. I remember when she first said to me, "You can do the New York Marathon for sure and I was Bewildered because I'm like, how could someone say something like that unless they know what they're talking about? Well, she was obviously correct in what she talked about. Mm-hmm. And and now she continues to live this life. I think the health and fitness life is something that you live, I live. And it's important to us in order to be able to be part of society in the way and means that we think works best for us to function and be part of this this order of humanity.
0: Matter of fact, that New York Marathon, we ran together, all three of us. And so it was, just a, it was a great way of uh, having fun, uh, spending some time in okay. New York City, and, uh, and uh, running together. It was, a, it was a blast. So anyway, let's go back to Badwater for a second. So what year was it you ran? I ran in 2016. 2016, right. And so tell us about the start because that, the people really need to understand the start of that marathon is actually in the pinnacle, or I should say the pit, of Death Valley. The it, nadar. The, right, the nadar. It's the lowest place in the continental U.S. 283 feet below sea level. And when you look up into the
1: mountain, they have a mark that shows you where sea level is, and you're just uh, a football field below that. When, when the race was close to starting, it, it, sunset is coming because the race starts at night. And there's three different waves. There's an, an 8 o'clock wave, and a 9.30 wave, and 11 o'clock. And as a rookie, I was in the early wave. And just, I was very focused. I had trained deliberately. I had you as the doctor on staff for me to look out for my well-being. Right, was and it was, it was interesting. Uh, today, there was an article that in Death Valley that, that I read that was actually sent to me. Uh, um, and that article said that someone just died in Death Valley the last couple of days.
0: Were and they running or just someone was out hiking? Went,
1: they went to Badwater Basin and from Badwater Basin to, to Furnace Creek, which is the very first time check, is 17 miles. Well, this individual out on the salt flats, he was 68, was going to go out and back for 12 miles total. Mm-hmm. And he never came back. So he obviously, uh, the heat took him down and, and and it's a, it's a tragic loss.
0: It truly is. And I, I remember, at your start, so at the start of the bad weather, you, you you cannot you can have a pacer with you, but for the first how many miles? Seventeen.
1: Oh, for the you can't have a pacer for the first forty-two miles.
0: Forty-two miles. So for, so we were just standing there and getting ready for uh, Chip to start, and it must have been I think one hundred eleven degrees. I think at the start at eight thirty at night, maybe more. It was higher than that. Yeah. One yeah, nineteen. Yes, it, it was similar to that,
1: and. It's a sauna. Right. It's a sauna and you feel a hair dryer blowing in your face. And you know this is going to be a significant event. It's important to be very well prepared. And then again, to even get in this event is almost like applying to a, a, a high-end Ivy League school. Yes. And once you get accepted into this race, only 100 athletes... Out of the 7.7 billion people on the planet are accepted. So it is really a, a rite of passage. Right, And I think that generally every athlete trains deliberately, puts all of their efforts into getting the details right. And in my case, I had you and Craig, who was an Olympic athlete, Craig Martin on my team, and then uh, Ludy and Andre Chavez, and are professional runners, professional athletes. And so we had a professional crew. And so we really ran this event together as a team, as if it was a NASCAR event.
0: Yes, I remember it well. We were very well uh, trained and ready to go, and we all had to, we ran with you. So uh, after mile 42, we still had another 90-something miles to run with you. So we rotated. I remember I ran that first part, and uh, it was pretty uh, substantial. I remember running it, and the heat was, I was uh, taken back initially after about, About five miles, I thought, ooh, this is a little bit more challenging than I expected. So with that being said, let's talk about the finish. Where does it finish?
1: Well, let's back up a little bit and then talk about how we get to the finish. I remember uh, everything when you started crewing with me and pacing with me. And, you, and you're required to be behind the runner, so you're behind me, but you have my water, and you are empowering me in any way you can by keeping me cold, ice, and so forth. And we ran up, we ran up Towns Pass, and, and so that, that 2000 uh, uh, incline, it was very interesting for us, and that's where the record holder who set the record in 2016, Pete Kostelnick. He came up from the 11 o'clock group, and he passed us. I and it, that. it was really exciting, and, and we participated with uh, Carlos Sa, who was a former champion, and then Ali Vinti. So it was just really quite unique, and I remember uh, Grant Mond told me the day before, so forth, we were at Jake's bar having a beer, and he goes, good to see you, Chip, I'll see you again on the course, and of course, he was starting at 11, and he passed me, too, <laughs> so it let us know that even though we were actively involved in giving it our best effort, there were athletes there that were absolutely superior, so running through the night, the cutoff in the race, uh, the you have to do it within 48 hours, and our team was executing, our goal was to make 30 33 or 36 hours and so once we really we knocked out the first 100 miles and that went as well if not better than expected and and then we got to Lone Pine and we had the last half a marathon uphill but what let me back up before we just close that particular element out and I, chrono- I, I, I give you a more descriptive chronology of this in my book. Right. And uh, my book, Financial Fitness, The Journey from Wall Street to Badwater, really the title tells how important it was to me because as a financier, and of course I've been handling your monies for 40 years, yes. and then to go from Wall Street to Badwater was a journey that I never thought that I
0: would ever make. So, so let, me, let me just say to the listeners, we're going to do a second podcast on your, on your book. So uh, this is going to be a three-part series. Just today, we're going, to, we're going to put out some podcasts, and the next one's going to be about Chip's book because I think that not only is it something that all people should know, whether they're athletes or family members, everyone should be aware of the, the financial fitness of life, but also um, it's just super interesting, and you have such vast... Uh, experience and knowledge. So that was a little interjection just to kind of parenthetically say where we're going next with our next podcast. So let's go back to the, the race. Um, you're So we're, we're at Lone Pine and we're going to turn up
1: Whitney Portal Road for 13 miles to finish this race. And all through my endurance racing career, the end just seems to go very well for me. I just, I'm just i like a horse who wants to get back to the barn and put this thing to rest. I remember one time Jody said, hey, you've got 10 more miles and you get your life back. Mm-hmm. And so that's how debilitating these things can be.
0: So I want to let our listeners know. So the, the Whitney portal is where we're headed. And it's up Mount Whitney, which is the, the highest mountain in the continental U.S. So we're starting... At the lowest point in the in the continental U.S. and we're finishing not at the peak but at the the portal of of um, Mount Whitney, which uh, 8, is 000. eight thousand feet. So it's a significant amount of elevation gain during this race. So I'm sorry. So now go ahead. So as
1: I was excited and and ambitious towards going up that mountain, well the wheel started to fall off. I couldn't see. My tear ducts were acting irregularly. I, I was just, water was pouring out of my eyes, just profusely, and you were there. And, and then we decided to give me a five or 10 minute rest in the van and immediately passed out. And then I'm back out on the road again. And then that happened literally one mile later. And it's kind of frustrating because we were really moving so well in across the, the, the race. And now I'm moving slowly. And then the third time, I went into the van again, and these were just short moments of sleep, but you don't want to be doing that because the body's demanding that something's not working. And the third time, I woke up three or four minutes later on my own, and then I was with you, and I said, I'm back. And and it was really remarkable how the body, just with a little bit of rest, can recover. You want to add anything to how that's even possible
0: yeah sure so basically it's the body's fatigued but the, the mind is really what gets super fatigued right and, and as you and i have done in the past when we raise some of these through the night and second night you actually start hallucinating a little bit we see things that aren't there and and so it's an ability for your brain to have a little bit of shut down that constant stimuli right so you know, And as a physician, I'll say, we used to take little cat naps when I was on calls, interns all the time. If we could get 20 minutes, 15 minutes, it was enough that we could actually move on and take care of business. And so it's the same thing in the ultra marathons. You have to have a little bit of shutdown, not so much physically, but mentally for your brain. I mean, the, the health benefits that you get and the ability to continue that focus is really what it's all about. And that's focusing on where we're going and, and, and where we're headed. And I remember that when you got up the third time, you shot up and said, let's go. And we, we took off. Yeah, it was interesting.
1: I, you and I, when I first met you at college, you would play this album by Jackson Brown. And that was a song that I said, Let, let's, let's march up the mountain. And we were listening to Brown Eyed Girl that you had introduced me to from Jackson Brown from our college days. And it was just the right song for the right moment. We crossed the finish line. And then the next day, uh, after the, the rest of the athletes came in, we had the pizza party. That night, we went to sleep, and then we got up at 4.30 in the morning, and you and Craig and I, we went back to the Whitley Portal. I think we'd had four and a half hours sleep, max. And then we went to the top of the mountain, and we summited that mountain. And I'm sure you have your opinions about that event.
0: That was truly one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. So I mean, it really was. Uh, so uh, Craig and I, we actually started jogging up the up the mountain. That was Craig's idea. So we started running, and then of course you would just run 135 miles, and you and you instantly said, "Listen, you guys do your pace. I'm going to do mine, and we'll meet at the top, hopefully." So Craig and I had summited, and we spent some time up there, and uh, it was fantastic. I mean, it was a beautiful, clear blue day. You could see for miles. And then we were actually up there for a while waiting for you. We started going down. And, and the, the comical thing was I could hear you breathing coming up. And so you made us turn. We saw you. and We were so happy to see you. And you, we just turned around. We walked and we hiked back to the top with you. And I can't remember how much time that was. But I remember the altitude started getting the Craig a little bit because he had gone down a little bit and then back up. But uh, he's such an athlete. It really wasn't much. And it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was really the icing on the cake for that. Yes. So
1: I think to wrap this up, bad water is – it's a family that I'm very grateful to be part of. Dr. Ben Jones, who is a medical doctor for, that has served faithfully to that community, and then my my buddy Brad Lombardi, who really introduced me to so many of the players in the game, and, and I'm grateful for the race. I'm grateful for the friendships. I would not have done that race if you would not have been part of my crew, and only you know the, the legitimacy to that statement. And so now the question is, would I ever try to do it again? And I think that's the answer to that question is in the, another episode.
0: I agree, but let me ask you this quickly because most people wanna know this. And so, you know, um, basically, tell us about your nutrition for that 48 hours of sheer heat and, uh, and physical uh, exertion.
1: Again, that's a pretty comprehensive undertaking so i'm not going to go into the details that's another conversations where we can talk about these races most importantly you got to get calories in yourself and you've got to find a way to keep them in and and i'm one of those rare athletes that has this cast iron stomach that whatever you throw in there i can burn through it where other people might get sick and nauseous and so forth so uh, but during that particular race my staple was uh, was sparkling water.
0: <laughs> yes, i remember though we got to. Was it? I think it was. Was it stove? Stovepipe. Is that yeah. what it? And you had a chocolate shake and and that some French. It, that was
1: at Penemint.
0: Penemint. Yeah. Penemint right. Springs. Penemint Springs. You had a I chocolate shake and some French fries, and I was um, and I was uh, absolutely amazed that you could just tolerate that and then start running again, and it was uh it was amazing. So
1: again, it's one of these races that your crew is beyond important, and I'm still honored and grateful for each of the people that participated. Ludi was just a godsend for all of us. And, yes. And that's really it.
0: Great. Well, I just so want again, I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast. I think your, your uh, expertise in, in ultra running and your accomplishments speak for themselves and uh, I think everyone should uh, pay attention to the next uh, podcast coming up on financial fitness and savings and, and it's really a part of all athletes what they're going to do later in life. So, Again, thank you again for your time, and I really appreciate it. Everybody, thanks again for listening to Sports Doc Sports. Stay healthy, stay sweet, stay strong.